Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. All right, we're back together. Good to have you here. Kurt Mortensen here. This is Podcast 406. Have you lost trust with anybody? How do you rebuild credibility in a skeptical world? No secret that trust is an all-time low. It's getting worse every day. Even though you're good, trustworthy people does not mean people trust you. I know they should, but maybe they don't. Remember, it used to be, I trust you, give me a reason not to. Now it's, I don't trust you, give me a reason to trust you. Again, welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. It's been a crazy couple of weeks. Eight Zoom webinars in 10 days. Some of those eight hours a day. Talk about Zoom fatigue. Yeah, crazy. Sucks the life out of you. It's definitely hard on both parties, but we got it done. One was even a two-day to a government agency, not going to name names, who's also trying to rebuild trust. So let's kick it off with the persuasion blunder. Homer? Don't, don't, don't! This happened to a friend of mine, similar to experience that happened to me. I don't know, has this ever happened to you? Pulled up to a park, you're not parked, not even thinking much about it. And this might depend on where you live, because sometimes where you live, people tend to look more, but... They parked in the wrong stall, and of course there's predators out there driving tow trucks that will tow you if you park in the wrong spot. He had the feeling that the store called, towed the car, and this was a store that uh, he goes to quite a bit. Who knows who called the tow truck, what happened, it happened there. Car's gone, towed, as you know, this is a very expensive ordeal. Not only the money, the time, and then you come out and think your car stolen, it's gone. Oh no, got towed. Anyway, there's a, an association thing there to where he's never going back in the store. I actually got on and put some negative reviews for the store. And I'm not sure. He's blaming the store. He's 100% sure it's the store. I'm not sure, but there's something about that to where I don't know why they towed the car. But that's a blunder because when negative things happen to people, they put it on you. They need someone to blame. It can't be their fault. Now, I'm sure he parked in the wrong spot. There was probably a sign. He said there was, but it was hard to read. Anyway, a lot of pointing of fingers. But this is human nature. When something bad happens, they're going to want to blame somebody. That's what anger is. You've been wronged. You want to blame somebody, whether it's your fault or not. When we look at the service industry, like hotels, for example, when the first two or three things go wrong, you're looking the whole time for things to go wrong. And now in social media age, you are going to post it. And it's no secret that people are more likely to post something negative than something positive. And think about this now. It's human nature. When there's 100 positive reviews and five negative ones, you read the negative ones first. And some of them might not be true. Some of them might be their competitor, but that's just how people are. You have to be so careful. So that follows our theme. Can we rebuild that trust? He says he's never going back. Pointing fingers, angry, upset. That is definitely the challenge. And we do know that the bear of bad news does get shot. I don't know if you've heard that saying before, but it's true. Think about how we distance ourselves from loss to victory. 
on college campuses. You've heard it before. You probably did the same thing. We won. We won. Or versus, no, they lost. They lost. And we distance ourselves. It's been documented that weather people, people that are on the news that talk about the weather, get death threats. <laughs> it's crazy. But, you know, hey, my daughter's getting married. You say it's going to snow. You say it's going to rain. There's an association there. Even studies done with people around bad news is fascinating. So when someone's told, hey, I need you to get so-and-so, I've got really bad news. They go over and get the person, hey, there's someone that needs to talk to you. Distance. Versus, hey, that person wants to talk to you. They have good news for you. And we want to associate with it. So don't be the blunder. Don't be the bear of the bad news. I mean, there's a time and place for a performance review or negative news. Make sure it's shared in the right way, in the right light. What do they call it? A praise sandwich, something positive, something negative, then back to the positive. And part of that too, if you have to be the bearer of bad news, let's take that performance review. If they feel that you are attacking the problem together, that you're going to work on it together versus attacking the person, that can be very helpful too. So that's our blunder. Don't be that person. Be careful if you're that person. So you don't fall into that same trap of people bad-mouthing you and never returning to your place of business, all because of a simple misunderstanding or mistake. Bringing us to the geeky scholarly article. Now this comes from Dr. Petrova from Dartmouth College, Dr. Cialdini from Arizona State University, and the Handbook of Consumer Psychology... Invoking the imagination is a strategy of influence. Hmm. And of course, we'll have this link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Whenever we mention a website or a study, we will provide a link. It's also the place to get your free Persuasion IQ assessment and the free book, the free new edition of Maximize Your Influence. Just pick up a little shipping and handling. So they start off by saying you can go to any popular magazine. You can see them in the checkout line at the supermarket. But you'll be invited to imagine yourself experiencing various products. They want you to imagine that you were there drinking this, wearing this, smelling like this. And isn't that most beer commercials? They don't spend much time talking about tastes. It's you're at the party. You're popular. You're drinking. Imagine. Visualize. So they call this consumption imagery. They say the advertisers use these appeals. You'll hear it. Imagine yourself in A and fill in the blank. Or being on the beach or being on vacation, living in the perfect home. That's why it's so vivid. There's so much detail. So you can imagine, you can see it, taste it, touch it, feel it. Because let me add this. It's no secret that if your prospect can't see themselves doing it, they're not going to do it. That's why great persuaders paint the pictures. And it's almost like listening to a movie that you're there doing it, experiencing it. So they cited some studies that virtual realities encourage consumers to interact with the product and visualize the consumption experience. Maybe you've heard the term metaverse, heard that Facebook changed their name to meta. Those are alternate realities, virtual realities where you're there, you're interacting, you're part of it. They're having concerts in virtual realities now. It is the future because it's more real, and people do not have to spend as much time to visualize it because they're there, it's part of their reality. Another study they talked about is when you look at this imagery, our brain lights up very differently 
Then when we process information with the analytical side of our brain, that's no secret. In fact, on a side note, when I teach storytelling, which is critical for leadership and influence, Karen Ebert, she studies this, and she says that when we're looking at analytical data, it's only using two parts of our brain. But when we tell a story, it lights up the whole brain like we're experiencing it. You've heard of mirror neurons before, well, hopefully, or neurocoupling. But our mind lights up like we're experiencing it when someone else is telling us a story. Not only that, if you're telling the story, there's a bigger connection between you and your prospect. They trust you more. Your brain actually releases oxytocin, which is the trust chemical. If you haven't heard about that one, go back to the archives at MaximizeYourInfluence.com and check that one out. But that is a real thing that your brain does. Because data doesn't change behavior. Emotions do. And that's what visualization Saying, imagine, this imagery, telling stories, that's what it does. So think about this. Do you see what I say? Imagine. Or just the words you use to help people see it, taste it, touch it, feel it. To visualize it happening. Let's take, uh, what's a good example here? Real estate agents. They're really good at this. We all know that homes that are furnished sell better because we're not very good at visualizing it. To seeing where we're going to put things. That's why Ikea... All their stuff's in boxes, but they have it all built. You walk through the store. It's almost like you're in a maze, but the more time you spend there, the more you visualize it, the more you see it. Statistically speaking, the more you're going to buy. So what do real estate agents do? Well, they bake bread or cookies, and that's your all-a-factor system. A subconscious trigger, you're like, it smells like your home. All right, that starts to help. Then they ask the kids to go choose their room. Then they ask, where's the piano going to go? What do you think the place set? What are you going to do with here? Where's the man cave going to go? Whatever it is, you start thinking it and visualizing it. They introduce you to the neighbors, and we probably should say the nice neighbors. I'm not going to introduce you to the mean, obnoxious ones that you're going to haunt you for the next 20 years. We won't go into that, but that's all part of that process. So basically, bottom line, this imagery does influence people's thoughts and actions. It increases their belief that something can happen, whether it's winning a competition, getting that beautiful person to date them, being more popular, increasing their intention to lose weight, to be happier, to be financially independent, all part of the study. And let me add, that's all part of most infomercials. So you can use this to influence people, including yourself. Because the universe will not reward you physically until you see it mentally. Crank it up, and the term I use is paint the picture, and that'll increase your prospect's confidence about doing what you want them to do. Bottom line, very important, that you understand the power of visualization. In fact, let me continue to add to this, that you can mentally achieve participation by helping your prospect visualize and see in their mind how your product, your service, their donation your leadership will help them. In fact, let me add a study to this. A group of researchers went door to door. They were selling cable subscriptions. When they included the phrase, imagine how cable TV will provide you with broader entertainment, they were more successful. See, when they didn't do that, only 20% purchased. But when they activated the mind and they could visualize it, that 20% went to 47%, more than doubled by changing a few words. Just like this, imagine you're walking to a restaurant and you see a homeless person and they're carrying a sign that says, I am hungry. 
Now, did you visualize that? Now, that does get some response, but let me add to that. What if the sign read, what if your parents were hungry? Or what if your children were hungry? That increases the visualization and the money they're able to get. That's why the puppy dog's so popular. What's the puppy dog? Well, you're at the mall with your little daughter. They want to see the new puppies. You're like, no, no, and no. They're persuasive. And so you're just looking. You tell them, we're just looking. The store owner sees you're just looking. And they come over and say, hey, just take it home for the weekend. If you don't like it, bring it back. <laughs> Try this photocopier out for a month, free of charge. Here's a nutritional product. See how your health feels over the next couple of weeks. Can be more persuasive than anything you say. It's beyond visualization. They're actually seeing it, tasting it, touching it, feeling it, and seeing the results. Final thing on this. If you've ever done sports, you know the power of visualization in sports, how important it is. But this was done by some Russian scientists, and they were looking at different athletes and the success between visualization and sports. Group 1, 100% physical training with no mental training. Group 2, 75% physical training, 25% mental training. Group 3, 50% mental, 50% physical. And group four received 75% mental training and 25% physical training. Group four had the best results. They had the most mental training over the physical training. Now, they're both important. You need to have both, whether it be sports, persuasion, leadership, or sales. This is a key factor. Which brings us to our content of the day. Aww. Remember, I trained that unnamed government entity on rebuilding trust. Now, a lot of it was on leadership and rebuilding trust with people that have been wronged. And when we talk about rebuilding trust, it could be with the consumer, it could be with your coworkers, it could be with the public, internal, external, maybe a little bit of both. But the reality is once trust has been broken, a quick apology might not be enough to fix the damage that has been caused. When someone's caught you in a lie, you've stabbed them in the back, you hurt them, they felt like you've taken advantage of the relationship, that you sold them something that they didn't need, didn't want, didn't work, can all hurt trust. And sometimes these explanations, as we see, especially in government, we see these explanations, the excuses, they can make it worse. <laughs> you've had someone apologize before, and it's made it worse. Now, first of all, interesting note on verbal packaging, one of the 12 laws of persuasion and maximum influence that the word apologize is much stronger than the word I'm sorry. Just make a mental note of that. And realize too that rebuilding trust takes time. It doesn't necessarily change right away. It's rarely an instant recovery. So first of all, you've got to watch your conversation. When someone says, well, trust me on this. Well, shouldn't I trust you before? Or to tell you the truth, or you weren't telling the truth. So that can trigger distrust. <laughs> And that can make it more difficult to rebuild trust. Or the worst one I've heard, from this point forward, you can trust me. Like, okay, everything else was a lie. Or when someone in Congress says, well, yeah, we had a dual commitment. No, no, that's a conflict of interest. So what people want is for you to be honest and open. You made a mistake. You made it your fault. That's a big part of being a leader. That's a big part of influence. When you point fingers and blame and criticize the competition, that doesn't increase your connection and it does decrease trust. One of the best case studies is the Tylenol cyanide case. What happened? Someone went around and put cyanide, which kills you, right? In Tylenol in multiple places around the country, around the United States. 
and people died. Now, Tylenol could have said, not our fault. We didn't ask him to do this. They took the pills. They could have point fingers. Even though that was true, they owned up. They did a recall of all the Tylenol. They reimbursed people for used Tylenol. They took ownership and remained a brand. Nobody thought this happened that they would ever be a brand again. But they were open. They took ownership. Even though technically it wasn't their fault, they pulled it from the shelves. You couldn't even get it for a while. And that's when they introduced caplets. That's when they introduced packaging that couldn't be tampered with. Up front, be honest, own it. Don't point fingers is one of the first things that you can do. And the next thing I'm going to recommend is listen to their anger. Listen to their hurt feelings. Make sure you validate it. The worst thing to do is, well, you shouldn't be angry. You shouldn't be upset. Well, they are. Okay. Validate it. It's real to them. And you might just ask, how can I fix this? What are you looking for? How can we remedy this? What is the perfect solution look like to you. Get their advice, get their feedback, and listen to them. Truly listen. Don't cut them off. Be a good listener. Empathize with them that you care about their future, about them, their success, overcoming their challenges. That's what they're looking for. Again, be open and honest and ask them, what do we need to do to make sure this doesn't happen again? Take full responsibility for your actions. Even if you're kind of feeling like the Tylenol thing, wait a minute, you really can't blame us for that. Well, Remember, bad news, bad things happen. We have to point fingers and they're pointing at you. You've got to fix it and figure it out without making the anger and distrust worse. So don't sidestep the issue. Don't shift the blame. Admit it. All right, we're fixing this. We screwed up. We're not going to go down the excuse road. And then, of course, that heartfelt apology expressing remorse, regret is critical. So as you move forward, continue to have open and honest communication. Continue to be a good listener and hear their point of view. Let them feel you're on their side, that you're trying to fix this, that you want to move forward. In the workplace, this is the time to listen to everybody, not have those closed-door meetings where everyone thinks you're talking about them, where anybody can come and ask any question anytime. That's open and honest communication. That's what we always recommend to happen when there's downsizing and there's mergers and there's fear. People always knee-jerk to the worst possible scenario. Trust erodes away, and that's why it's important to have that open and honest communication one-on-one or within a group, or probably both. Another one I'd add, too, is do what you say you're going to do. Keep your promises. And that's also part of being a product of the product. Now, what that means is, is if you're selling a product, you're using that product. Are you familiar with that product? Same thing's true with trust and, say, leadership. Are you doing what you're asking other people to do? Are you becoming what you're asking other people to become? That's critical to rebuild that trust. And if there's bad news, make sure you communicate it in the best way possible. I don't want to be covering it up or sugarcoat it. But when you do that, always build a vision, build hope. We're going to get through this. We're going to make it happen. So you can build a vision that we're going to get through it in the future. And another way to add to that is social validation, showing other people that have been through this, other companies have been through this, came out better, stronger, and let's say more profitable. That is the key. So I know it's hard. I know it may not be fair. Trust is an all-time low. People might not trust you. Those are some tips to rebuild that trust. Because no trust, no persuasion. Trust is the glue that holds influence together together. 
Like I said earlier, just because you're a good, trustworthy person doesn't mean people necessarily trust you. So, hey, that's our podcast for the day. Thanks for being here. Tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast. I just announced the new presentation IQ. Now, there's a persuasion IQ. This is 10 questions about your ability to be persuasive while you present. That link will be at MaximizeYourInfluence.com or go to PresentationIQ.com. Take a few minutes, find your strengths, find your weaknesses, and you'll get my webinar on how to create the perfect persuasive presentation that includes the template step-by-step on how to close with charisma. All right, take one thing that you learned today, apply it, use it. Be better at negotiation, be better at leading yourself, become more influential, and go out and persuade with power.